what Vidal did was lay the foundation for a craft and he's done it so well, it's lasted the, the length of time. Goes sounds like it's time to start. Did you clap yet? I did. Did I miss it? Boom. There it was. All right. Boom. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co host, Chris Sulemay, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. We have another amazing guest today. I have I do have to credit you for this one, so you do get another credit in public, which you know just churns my stomach, but I have to do it. Ah. Um, another amazing guest that John Palmieri hand-selected and found through another amazing guest that we just had on, Christine Zielinski. And if you haven't heard that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. that one next. Yeah, Christine was just uh, fantastic with all the nuggets and wisdom that she dropped, and uh, she's she's well-armed with a posse full of friends that also are uh, not only equally inspiring, intriguing, but have gone on through the hair career and... You know, I think somebody's done something when their career becomes about sharing. I think there's a lot of great people behind the chair, and they do hair their entire career, and that's fantastic, and they work on the clients, and that's a beautiful thing to do. Um, but there's another calling that happens usually for some people as they start to move up inside of their career. They remember that somebody else passed down knowledge to them. Mm-hmm. And then they feel inspired to share that out. And so uh, today we're on with Tracy Sakositz. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. And you're joining us today from Santa Monica, from the Vidal Sassoon Academy, in which you're a creative director. And you've been there for over 20 years. And you're not a creative director just for that academy, but you're a national creative director for Vidal Sassoon amongst a a, a, a level of other, a few other elite team members. You're also on the global creative team for De- Vidal Sassoon. But in our earlier previous conversation, you shared with us that you consider yourself a cutter, but a teacher of cutting, um, and that you love to hug your knowledge around the younger, newer people that are they're entering this industry. And so I know Vidal Sassoon in Santa Monica has pushed out a lot of great professionals through the years. And so it's just a privilege to be really sitting here, uh, getting to have a, a face-to-face through Zoom with you. Thank you. John, I know uh, you're just as excited as I am to get this yeah. all rolling. So why don't you take us out? One of our favorite places to start, in fact, I think my favorite place to start, is I always like to find out how people got into the industry. It's one of those things that kind of connects us as, as, as hairdressers and as artists. So let's start there. Why this career? Yeah, um, great question. Thank you. Why, why hair and why hairdressing? Um, I was very fortunate because I grew up in a fantastic family, and my mom had there were seven girls, seven sisters. So my grandmother Holy had seven daughters. <laughs> no boys. Wow. <laughs> All girls, as you can imagine. That was quite a, a handful for my grandfather. And he kept we trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and three of them were hairdressers. Oh, three of no, them were no. hairdressers. So I grew up, you know, around it. And when I got a little bit older and had to start thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do. And as a career, I just had to look around me. And uh, one of my favorite people that I was with all the time and, and showed me lots of things about the world uh, was my mom's sister, Charlotte. And she owned two very successful salons in New Jersey at the time. And I just kind of wanted to be like her. Um, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the salon when I was younger, but I was, I was, I was there and having fun, you know, I was like getting my hair done, whatever I wanted, I'd go and hang out with her. Um, but more of it was about just wanting to be and live like she did. She had always dressed the part. She always had cool friends, uh, listened to great music. Her hair always looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I just want to do what you do. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, let's go. And uh, so I actually started hairdressing with her in her salon 
Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And she even now is front and center at anything that I do. Mm-hmm. Front and center. She, she'll listen to this podcast for sure, and yeah. she'll share it with everyone she knows. <laughs> Hi, Aunt Charlotte. Thanks, Aunt Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she still does hair herself. Yeah. You know, almost retired, but um, still in the salon. She can't help herself. Three, yeah. Two, three days a week doing beautiful hair. She's amazing, impeccable taste and fantastic skills. And she's great with people. Hmm. That just sums up basically what she, what it takes yeah. to be a hairstylist, right? Yeah. Stick that stick that on a billboard. Do you have impeccable skills, mm-hmm. amazing style, and are great with people? You, <laughs> you should be a hairdresser. Be a hairdresser. <laughs> you know, I want to kind of circle around that for just a half a second because you kind of brought a whole bunch of different arts together, music, fashion. It sounds like it wasn't just hair, meaning I, that, that's pretty haircut, right? There was this whole immersive quality to it. When, whenever we podcast with a Sassoon person, that shows up all the time, right? Like I think every person we've ever interviewed that worked for Sassoon or worked with Sassoon company said the same thing. Um, and so that, that's obviously a cultural touchstone but as, how old were you when you started working with your Aunt Charlotte? I was right out of high school. I so started, 18, as soon as I graduated, yeah, I went right into beauty school and started to work with her. But, but tell me about that immersion in, you know, it's not just the hair, it's the music, it's the fashion, it's the people that you're surrounded with. Yeah, well, I think you go back to Vidal. I mean, it mm-hmm. always goes back to Vidal, where he started. What he started was so tried and true. There was a, there was a uh, short video almost documentary that was done ages ago i wish i still had it was called quiet revolution Mm -hmm. and it was about vidal and why he did what he did and i'm sure we can find it on youtube and it talks about you know it's everything's about timing isn't it but what he tapped into and everything he did it was a social revolution Mm -hmm. it was an economic revolution and that's how kind of the story went through the video Mm-hmm. And then Vidal would come in and talk to those those pieces. So I think it's all about that. You know, you need to tap into all of those things to be successful, whatever it is you're doing. The hair just happens to be the byproduct, sure. really, right? And, you know, travel was a big thing. I loved the idea of traveling and being able to do that. I think that's eventually what brought me to Vidal because we were an international company. And I thought, oh, I can get out of New Jersey. I can travel. I can go somewhere. I can work for a company that's everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, and, and one of the other things to go back to your question was Vidal, oh, you know, when he started, I think one of the things that he was most proud of was being able to share knowledge and building a team. So that brings the people. You know, it was always about a team of people that surrounded him and what they had and how they contributed and how they collaborated. It was never just about Fidel. You're at this point where you you come into hairdressing, you start working with your Aunt Charlotte. Tell us about your, you know, your growth after that, because Aunt Charlotte's fun to hang out with. And yet somewhere along the line, you've decided, you know what, there's something else I want to do or there are other things I want to get involved with. So tell us about that journey a little bit. That's where the hair came in. Because mm-hmm. I was working for her and, and she was, she's a very smart woman and she ran two very successful salons. And so when I got there, I, she taught me every aspect of, of the salon and its business and how it runs and what needs to happen and, and every bit of it. The hair came later. But when I did finally kind of get through everything and started building a clientele, personally, I got very frustrated because I didn't have great control of what I was doing. I knew what I wanted to see. I didn't know how to do it. So a lot of it was trial and error and it frustrated me. And so I just kept bringing these pictures of hair and saying, I want to know how to do this. And she could kind of tell me she, she and her team went to Vidal Sassoon in, in the Academy in London regularly. So they had some bits of information. So it started coming back to Vidal Sassoon. Like everything was kind of underpinned there. And all the pictures were for, that I, that I was attracted to of the hair I was attracted to were Sassoon looks. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully she was the woman I was in front, to, in front of and presented it to. And she said, well, if that's the hair you want to do, you should go work for Sassoon. Mm-hmm. And literally we were in um, Edgewater, New Jersey. You look out your midtown Manhattan right across the way. And that's where our salon was. So literally just went <laughs> just across, the yeah. <laughs> across the river um, and applied for a job and 
started as an assistant. And that was six years into doing hair already. I love that we know a few of your cronies. So we've we've interviewed Tim Hart, Timmy Hartley. We've interviewed um, Sally Rogerson, mm-hmm. obviously uh, Christine, a, yeah. f- a few Nula. other Nula, a yeah. few other uh, Sassoonies. And and one of the one of the things that always jumps out to me when I'm talking to your crew is the willingness at any stage in your career to go back and to start again. And you, you'll you say discipline sometimes when you're talking about the Sassoon team. And we're, we're really in awe of it because, because we don't know if that type of discipline still exists. I think later I'll, I'll kind of ask about, does it still exist even in, even in that culture? But it's like the willingness to go into a salon and maybe assist for a little while um, or, or go through an associate program it's, it's like we're crunching that time less and less and less right now. So I want to know at six years into your career, going back and assisting, number one, what was your outlook on that? Would you have still had that same attitude, be it today? I think what I had was a want for more and I'm pretty determined type of person. So whatever it was going to take for me to be there and do that is what, you know, what I, is what I was going to do. So it's just that pure desire to, to get to that goal, I think. Um, and I think some of that is innate in certain people and other people grow into that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I had it for sure, it's what I wanted. I mean, I stepped back from making money. I mean, it was, you know, the late 80s in a salon and I had, it was a great salon. And then I went to making assistant minimum wage, you know, apprentice salary and working all the time and showing up whenever I could, whether it's getting paid or not. Okay. And and you just did it. And but once you got there, you realized you were with other people that were doing the same. And then it was just sheer like we can all do this. And then it also your competitive edge comes in. Mm-hmm. You're like I'm gonna she could do it, I could do it. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, she could do it, I could do it better. Kind of thing. All 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 in positive energy sure. though. You know, all in positive ways. So once we got once I got there, it was easy to stay there mm-hmm. because all those things were right there in front of you. There was always a lead. And there was always something to accomplish and move on to the next thing. And you could see it yourself. You know, you could see it happening because it's a craft and it's tactile and your hands are in it. So when you got better, you just saw it worked and you were like, all right, what's next? You know, what's next? Um, Would I be the same now? I don't know. I mean, I think now the information is so accessible, Mm -hmm. so much easier. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to get on, you know, I wouldn't have to get on a bus necessarily every single day for an hour and a half trip into the city mm-hmm. to maybe have a lesson. I could just click on my Zoom and not even get out of bed now. Right. <laughs> um, but I think because it's a craft and you have to get your hands in it, I think there's a delicate balance between the two. So I think now is a very fortunate time and something, you know, that I'm tapping into and trying to figure out how to educate people online and also have that delicate balance of hands in it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting for me right now. Talking about that time when you worked with a bunch of people and you were always striving for the same goal, there was a competitive nature, but it was a positive competitive nature. I, I want to see if I can do better than that. Well, I'm going to see if I can do better than that. And as you said, okay, now that I learned that, what's next? Do you think that that and this might be a silly question, but do you think that's still part of our industry? Is that, does that kind of come and go in waves? I'm not sure. I, I think you need, that only happens in a team. Yeah. I think you need a team of people that are all pointed in, the, in, in a similar direction. They don't have to be exactly the same. I think it's a group of creatives. Yeah. So they have to have similar ideas and goals and uh, be pointing at least the same way. Mm. Um, and then that, that, I think just naturally happens. Um, I think for me, what I see, and of course this is coming from hairdressers that, I mean, I train hairdressers. I train hairdressers of every level from cosmetology to people that have more experience than I. And so through them is what I know of the hairdressing industry right now. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily my firsthand experience. Um, But what I see now is the team atmosphere. We've gotten further and further and further away from that. And it's more about the individual, Mm -hmm. their wants, their needs, their desires. And it's also, I think the craft has changed and the people coming up for a while, I felt they they thought more to have multiple 
things to do in their career than just dedicate to just one. And that's that's a very different thing than when I was grow, growing up in hairdressing. When you say multiple when you say multiple things, like give me an example, what do you mean by multiple things? You're talking about cut and versus color? Are you talking about No, even outside hairdressing. So yeah. I'm gonna be a hairdresser, I'm gonna be a photographer, I'm gonna be a social media guru. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it all. And I'm gonna do it all within a very short period of time. Do it all in five years. I'm still learning haircutting. And I, like I said, I've studied now 28 years, just cutting it. Every time I touch hair, I think I'm learning something here. I'm going to come out of this better. It's right. going to be better. It's so cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only stayed on that. But when I, I, and I know this, because when I get in front of students and I say to them, I've been doing this, this career, this job, this role for 28 years. And they're like, what? <laughs> You've done the same thing for 28 years? They're like actually very surprised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, it's a master. It's a master of something. And I think there's a small percentage of, of people maybe that want that right now. Uh, I'd love to hear um, a, some, spe- some specificity around that initial journey of when you got there. I think, you know, this is soon culture, you know, engulfs all of all of the things we've talked about. I mean, the things that I learned, and I, if I go through my whole career, I can tell you at this period, I really focused and learned the most of this, and then the next thing, and the next thing. But I think you're just around cool people, mm-hmm. and you pick up off of that, and they become your friends, and you do things together, and you learn new things. And then you, you know, I started traveling very early on with Tim, Tim Hartley and Annie Humphrey. So mm-hmm. my first travels outside of the US. I went around the world six weeks, Tim Hartley, Annie Humphreys, attached to, to, to both of them. And I, I just mean, like to let you know I'm jealous. Yeah. Oh, that's it was some time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was scared to death, obviously. You know, I was only green in my skill set, um, <laughs> but I was, you know, yeah. they saw something in, in me. Um, you know, I was dedicated for sure. I was eager. I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I was always there for them. And um, I had that journey and, you know, that I grew so much as an individual in that time. It had nothing to do with hair. Sure. You know, at that time, I learned how to do hair, how to cut hair really, really well after mm-hmm. I taught for some number of years. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, now I get it. I get this. Right. Now I really get it. I get what And I'm I could teach that. someone else. And I could teach someone else. Yeah. One of the things you talked about a little bit ago was, you know, was the importance of team. You know, for those who want to know how to get better at that, what are your observations? How does a good team come together? What makes a good team? Is it just luck? Is it, does it take a little bit of effort? I think a team has to naturally gel together. Mm-hmm. So choosing your team wisely, you know, when you're hiring, not just looking for a skill set, but a personality that fits. That's important. So, I mean, it's kind of twofold. You know, how do you be part of a good team? And then how do you build a good team? Is this kind of two things, isn't it? Um, and to build a good team, it's not an easy thing. Again, we're dealing with creatives. And, right. But I think the thing I've learned best is to try to tap into each individual's greatness and allow that to enhance the next person and the next person and the next person and not try to funnel them all through the same hole. Mm-hmm. you know and right. through that success comes because if you have individual success you have a team success um so i think you know getting the right group of people together would be the first thing and then if you're in a team i think you know having that open-mindedness to realize that you're in it together and that you can learn from each other mm-hmm. that's really important and that support for each other um, the competitiveness i think naturally is a good thing Slight mm-hmm. egos are a good thing as well, you know, because then you want the team to be well-rounded. So you can have that front end, you can have the back end, you want everything in the middle. Right. So choose your team wisely, choose the individuals that fit well together. It's only going to enhance them. Talk a little bit more for just a second, elaborate on, you just said something I think is really important and could get taken right or wrong. <laughs> and so I agree with you wholeheartedly when you said egos are important in in a team because there's a place for that lead person that loud person and there's also the place for the person who just wants to sweep the floor they're both they're both a part of the of the whole clarify what you mean a little bit about ego i I never looked at it as necessarily a bad thing unless it's used wrong you know 
if it leads the pack and, and has disregard to others, then it's a negative. Mm. But if that ego can lead the pack and get everybody to that next goal set, I think it's good. And, and, and if it's done positive, you need somebody that has enough guts to stand up to things and voice their opinion. Those are, those are positives. Whether, whether you use the idea or it's right or wrong, sure. that doesn't matter. But somebody being able to actually step up to that. And the person that isn't that isn't necessarily the one that's just sweeping the floor. They're just the sure. one that's not making the noise, right? They're the ones right. that, you know, maybe they write it. Maybe they do it one-on-one. -on -one. They do it differently. When I say ego, I kind of mean that. I like to think I don't have one, but there's something in me that always puts me at the front of things. So I don't know what you'd call that <laughs> instead, you know. Um, I wouldn't push my way there. I'd right. work my way there. I think there's a difference. Um, one of the things we've touched base on in this conversation, which I'm really digging, by the way. It's a transition from, from team to a more individualistic approach to our industry as a whole. There are things about that that make me nervous. And I, you know, I'll, be, I'll be quite you know, candid about it. What I'm nervous about is us, meaning us as hairdressers, as artists. I, I think there's, there's a gift to being part of that team you know, talk about what you just said, which is there are people in the room that got a little bit of ego. There are people that are going to push you. There are people that you're going to compete with. And I think that's, I think that's an important part of our industry as a whole. I mean, I get the need to be independent for some folks. I get the need to be an, in, you know, a complete individual. Yet sometimes I worry about the long-term effect that'll have on our industry. Feelings, emotions yeah. around that? Well, you know, I'm in California. Yep. Yeah. Right, which is, so, and we hear 70%, yeah, the 70%. number is probably higher, but yep. 70, 70 percent uh, are, um, it's going to make a shift. Yeah. It will, it will make a shift, I think. And now, so in it, with the pandemic that we're dealing with, even more so that's happening mm -hmm. everywhere because salons aren't, you know, some salons aren't even yeah, open um, and, or can't take back their employees. So those employees are working on their own. Yeah. So it's, it's maybe even doubled the numbers that we had before are probably doubled now of people working independently. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in my mind, and I hope that it will turn, it'll actually take and turn itself around and mm -hmm. people will get kind of bored of being by themselves. Right. want to work with others and also see the benefits of it. But, right. you know, I think the pandemic has put us in a situation that we have to come out of that to see the, the other. But talk you know, talk a little bit about your observations because that's got to affect the artistic nature because through all, through any crisis, I think that's a better word for it, you know, I think that affects art. That affects that affects us as expressive human beings. So let me, you know, get a little wonky on you. How has this current crisis, this current situation affected people from an artistic standpoint, from a creative standpoint? I mean, you're the creative director. How does it affect you? Yeah, I mean, well, you want you have two choices you, you fall behind it and think i'm trapped or you take it as opportunistic mm -hmm. if you're creative minded you're going to take any opportunity that's in front of you and i think a lot of people have they've learned new things they've involved themselves in different ways and they've done things they haven't had the time to do because they're so busy in the salon mm -hmm. um so i think that adds to an individual's person so when they come back they're filled and they're full. And I think as hairdressers, we tend to get completely drained because all the giving, whether you're teaching or in the salon with a full clientele, you're, you're doing this. You're constantly around and giving your energy to others. Mm -hmm. uh, so it can be draining. So I think oppor the opportunistic ideas that you've had a chance and we've had a chance to refill, which I have done. I've learned loads of new things. I am been working on Sassoon Online. And I'm actually working a lot more on the back end. So learning the te technical aspects and uh, writing curriculums and all, things I've never ever thought that I would be doing. And it's, it's exciting because it's new. I love to learn. So whatever it is, I'm happy if I'm learning something new. <laughs> yeah, this is this is surely a huge transition for teachers of all types. I don't even know if we talked about this in our warm-up conversation, but John and I work for a guy that owns six salons and a cosmetology school. Um, John's the director of leadership development. Uh, I think that's the title that you go by. 
something like that. I just do what I'm told. Yeah, and and I, <laughs> and I do whatever I'm told too. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the things that we we both do is speak at our school. Luckily, we'd been using Zoom for a while, mm-hmm. and we made the transition. I realized pretty quickly that our teachers were struggling, mm-hmm. and even offered at CEA to do a uh, a talk on how to prep for a converse, a Zoom, so mm-hmm. you could be more interactive and engaging. And and we've done. Um, John's got an upcoming talk. I've I've done a couple. We've we've both been podcasting with other people as well, all through this platform. Um, and the reality is, is some people are way better than it. It's it's a skill, mm-hmm. and you can master it and turn it into right. an interactive thing. Um, but teachers have had to, all teachers mm-hmm. of every type have had a major, like overnight overhaul of their entire industry. I mean, at least if you're a, a, a salon hairdresser, you're still cutting hair on a client, whether you're wearing a face shield, a mask, and a spacesuit or not. <laughs> the the first six weeks we were on lockdown or eight weeks, um, we just educated out of our homes. Mm -hmm. So between London, Mark was in London, Mark Hayes, myself here in Los Angeles, and then uh, my counterpart, who's the director of color for North America, Richie Rivera, he's in Boston. And we went live three times a week and just did hair to help people just lift spirits and, you know, have fun you know mark's really funny and cuts hair like amazingly and it was a look into our homes and our lives and helping people connect and we had ten thousand or so people join us over that time which was amazing i never thought that would happen it was so inspirational the most amazing energy and so creative in those moments mm-hmm. so i i rolled right into creativity because my response straight away was, you know, when we got in lockdown, we, we, you know, all the salons were shut down, the academy shut down. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I've never not worked. What am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? Okay, what are we going to do? What, how can I do this? We have students. And what are they going to do? We've been out for two weeks. We're not teaching them. And we said, let's just teach them online. So I wrote a curriculum for six weeks to attract the, you know, to, to teach our students. And then eventually we went and offered that to schools and academies for other people's students. And then we offered it to the hairdressing public. Mm -hmm. And obviously our own team were on it. And it let us just connect globally with all these hairdressers in this very, very strange time. Yeah, that's awesome. And the energy was infectious for everyone. We got so many people that just enjoyed their time with us and still get, we still get people asking us to do it again and thanking us for being there. And you, you, we kind of didn't think of that. We just, I just reacted to the moment. Mm-hmm. And out of that comes great things. Tracy, what are, what are some of your favorite lessons that you're teaching right now? I mean, obviously haircutting, but you know, you have students that come in and they come in as young adults, many of them, not with a lot of maturity yet. Sometimes, you know, as you're, as you see them come in fresh like that, or green possibly, and you're you're trying. One of your goals is to teach them how to cut hair. The other is to help them to become a professional. I would assume. What are some of the lessons that you're weaving inside of your technical lessons? Well, right now, technical is liter- literally that. So, how to use a, a LMS platform? <laughs> how to get there? <laughs> how to get? How to show up? Which is actually that's that's where I'd start. That's one of the first lessons that I think people need to, to, to learn is how to show up. One, to show up, and two, how to show up. I think there is a mindset of, well, they'll ask me if they want me there. I never grew up that way. If I wanted to be there, I was like, all right, I'm there. What do you want me to do? I'm there no matter what. You know, and you showed up. You showed up all the time for everything, and, and you kind of learned so much and grew and made the connections and met everybody that you needed to meet and learn loads, you know? So that's, that's one of the most important things that I teach a new or person coming into the industry. My mom used to tell me that was a secret to life. Yeah. 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 And did she say 15 minutes early is 15 minutes late? No, she didn't say that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I say but that. he says it. I say okay, that all the time. Yeah. But he says it. Yeah. What what else is included in show up? I mean, dress codes can be anything from groovy to, you know, sophisticated. What 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 is what is inclusive in showing up? I, I guess, it, I mean, I'm, I'm very much minimalistic and I am, I guess, when I speak too, but I, I, it's whatever you do, do it with purpose. Mm. So if you're going to get dressed, you get dressed with a purpose, mm. you know, and you're going to walk into a class, walk in with your purpose, pay attention, be present. Very common things, but I think they're overlooked greatly or overcomplicated, mm. you know, just overcomplicated. Um, and then I think, as a teacher, one of the things I've always tried to be is consistent with those messages as well. So the same messages over and over for as long as you have to say it until they do it. And you're like, yes, what's next now? You know, what's the next lesson? And a lot of it crosses over. A lot of it crosses over. We're talking obviously about a lot of changes in the industry, you know, kind of like where things have been, where things are right now. We're not really quite sure where they're moving forward. Uh, where they're going to move forward to but one of the things that i you know we haven't touched base on yet that i think is important and it's part of the whole artistic you know experience is the interaction with the customer right because that's changed the interaction that we have here we're doing this via zoom there are no live educational events happening you know that i know of there might be one or two very few but very mm -hmm. few right so the interaction between ours us as hairstylists is changed how do you see the interaction with the customer, you know, changing as stylists, as hairdressers? You know, what, what, are we, what are we seeing now? What do you see now? I feel like it's going to, we need to focus more individually on people. Yeah. You know, who they are, um, know them better before they show up. Because, you know, they want to get in, they want to get out, they're half covered up. You can't even see them. Right. Like you can't really see who they are. Um, and I find that really hard, you know? So I think there's going to be, that's going to be part of it is really thinking of great ways to really tap into someone's individuality to keep them coming back. Cause they know, they know, you know them, or they know, we know them well. And they feel that in comfort, they feel comfort in that to mm -hmm. show up again and again, because it's a scary time. So if you go anywhere, you want to make sure you go somewhere where you feel comfortable. So we have to create those environments. We have to create those energies for people as well. You know, so when the client comes in, um, you have to make the most of that appointment time, even if it's, it's a shorter one. Um, and you can, because you shouldn't right now have all the distractions. So it's the best opportunity to kind of go there. You don't have the distractions like right now in our salons, you have to have your service and that one client completely done and out the door before your next one comes in. So it's not a better opportunity to take advantage of that. It's really find out who that person is and what you could do for them and what their comfort levels are and making sure it's there for them when they come next. It used to be the hair, you know, what are their needs in the hair? What do right. they need in their color? And you know, what's their maintenance in this? Now it's very emotional. Right. Tap into what their needs are emotionally. And if you could do that, they'll be back regularly, no matter what's happening in the world because <laughs> they right. feel that comfort. You know, this is going to be a silly question, but again, you know, looking at the lens of our listeners are asking themselves, you know, what am I learning here? What can I take home? One of the things you had just said was, you know, I'm going to spend the entire time with my client from beginning to end, and I'm not going to start my next one until they leave. You know, there are, you know, people within our own company, there are people, you know, in the world who are like, yeah, no, I got 45 minutes while that color processing. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let that time go to waste. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's value in what you just said. Talk about that a little bit so that when people are kind of making that decision on where they want to go, they get a little bit more inf information that you want. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, there's the pressures of time and right. money, obviously. Um, but I think right now is not the time. If you focus on that, it will be there. I think if you focus on the emotional state of people, that will come. I, I'm a true believer of, of doing what's right in the moment mm -hmm. and the results come for sure, you know? Um, so you have to kind of not crunch the numbers and fit everybody in that you can. You can't, you're not, we're not supposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, I think what's really important because there's so much education, I think people should take advantage of that. Obviously I'm coming from an educational standpoint and people yeah. are like, why am I going to go study? I'm not even in the salon working. 
Well, it's giving you greater value. So when you get back in the salon, you have a greater value. And if you're giving a better service, there's more value to that. Mm -hmm. So why not do less for more? Mm -hmm. The opportunity is right in front of us to do that. Charge more, treat people differently, make the most of that appointment, you know? Um, so I kind of I kind of go that way, and that would be if it was my salon um, and and my team. That's what I'd want to live in right now. One of the things we you know that's a kind of a buzzword in the industry right now is charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth. And I think for our younger stylists and spe- specifically, there there's, there's something that attracts them to that. I want to flip it if I could which is, are you worth what you charge? I feel like that's kind of what she was just saying, yeah. was you have to create that experience. You know, it's it's not about price gouging mm-hmm. or we stuck a COVID charge on there. Right. It's about you've got this person one-on-one. Sierra and I were just having this conversation in the back room. It's funny, at, Web, mm-hmm. at uh, WebGen today. She said exactly what you just said. One of our mid-level mid-level stylist yeah. uh, and when i say mid-level i'm not capping her potential she's oh, an no. amazing she's, young she's, hair. Definitely she's, going she's up. Yeah, yeah she's shooting up but she's at that you know um uh she's youngish and um you know really i would say catching stride professionally but we were she said to me she was watching um we made a video uh we make videos and so in in this video that uh we're about to put out about half of the stylists have masks on and about half mm-hmm. of them don't because some of it I filmed back when we weren't wearing masks yet. And mm-hmm. so it was, you know, a blended together video. And she stopped the video and she looked at me. She goes, this makes me really sad, <laughs> which was which was not mm-hmm. <laughs> the response dead. I was looking for. Right. <laughs> and I got I just kind of looked at her and she goes, look at all these people smiling. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we don't even get to see the smile anymore. So, I mean, to to your point, like now is the time to to see that individual in your chair and to, if with your verbal and nonverbal communication skills to your best of your ability, and that's what I, and yeah. perfect. That's where I want to go with the next couple of minutes. Is I want to dig a little deeper in that because I think the challenge for some of our newer stylists is, if we ask the question, "Are you worth what you charge?" Well, I'm a good. I'm good at what I do. Right. What are you doing? What but else the, are you doing? What else are you doing? So I want to talk about that. What else do we? And I know you touched on it a little bit, but I want to go deeper. You know, what do I need to do to be worth what I charge? Beyond, it's just a good haircut. John is not a minimalist. He has four motorcycles. So yeah. let's just get that out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe. I believe. I believe more is more. More is more. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, the, the only reason it's four is because there's no more room in the garage. You know, I have to say I can I can understand that we have we have six in a mini in, in mine, but they're all lined up perfectly. Wow, oh, you and I are going to get along great. Oh. Yeah. yeah, multiples can be minimalistic for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mine are all in a nice, neat little row, and I'm on I stay on my side of the garage, so we're good. <laughs> Um, I, I think in, in all the things that they do do, it, they, I think there's an opportunity to be better at it, mm. always. I mean, I could attest that I was, I did not know how to, even with 10 years in Sassoon, I didn't know how to do and cut hair as well as I do now, all right? So I could attest that a skill like hairdressing in color, cutting, or dressing hair, or all of the three, can get better and improve if you practice it. So I think definitely the thing, the skill set that you're selling, practice it more, learn more, have some new ideas in it. So you're excited about it. That excitement is energy that spreads to the client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, it's just, you know, how many times people say, I'll have a trim. Okay, go get shampooed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what was that? <laughs> like, that sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just passed all your opportunities were just missed right there. Yeah. Every single one of them. You know, so, so that, um, people skills are key, you know, and I think to go back to where's the smiles mm. now, it's all about the eyes. You have to look people in the eyes because yeah. you can't see their smile, but you can smile with your eyes and you can see where someone's coming from with their eyes. Right. And I even find myself now, if I'm walking on the street and you get in a certain range of people, or you have to speak to someone, even from the distance, you look them directly in the eyes and they look back. Yeah. That's not always happened. 
So to me, that's a beautiful thing that's come out of this is people are starting to see each other that way. And they say, hey, the eyes are, you know, not to get too too off on it, yeah, but the eyes uh, are, right. are, Windows are to the soul. Know, lead to the soul. Yeah, um, so I think, you know, and, and when I teach, one of the things, when you teach, it's very interesting because it's the teacher, the student, and the client in the chair. And you speak to the student and the client as a teacher. If you're a good teacher, you speak to both of them at the same time. And the student is hearing you. The client's just kind of there. And they never look at the client. And that's one of the things I teach, to make sure you look at that client in the eyes when you start your service, during your service, and when you walk them out the door, see them. Um, so I think people skills, you know, so your technical abilities, sharpen them, hone them right now. It's all out there so easily. It's all out there. Um, be inspired and, and have good energy behind everything you have to offer. Um, people skills know how to treat people. Be kind. That's, that's one that should be a given, but it's really difficult. There's days when God knows what you've been through and you've got to show up with a smiley eye and get through it. And, um, but those have to be at the front. Those have to be at the front. You know, I usually save this I usually save this question for other, for um, later in the uh, podcast. Although this podcast was going by quickly. Oh yeah. Um, what would you if you had to do it all over again? What would you tell your eight? What would you tell your eighteen-year-old self? Hmm. Good question. I don't know. I, I I do. When students ask me, "Would you do anything different?" I say, "No. I don't. I don't think I would. I've made mistakes, sure, but I think those are things that you have you, you have the opportunity to learn from. Right. Yeah. And nothing was ever to tragic right? right um so i feel thankful for that <laughs> blessed for that um so i don't know i would i'm not sure that i would change anything um that i've done i've loved every minute of it mm -hmm. i am so fortunate to be able to carry on this assumed tradition mm -hmm. i'm equally as fortunate to carry it on in a new way um so right now though we're not live in the academy or in real life um, I am helping to be there digitally, you know, with our, with our Sassoon online mm -hmm. and trying to create that, uh, for our future, because I think online education is going, is going to be there. It's very relevant in the now it's going right. to continue in the future. Oh, and yeah. though we're Thanks a 65 year old brand, I, I think I feel very lucky that I can bring it to the now and be part of the team that brings it to the now. So it's there for people. It's very important. We started out talking about, you know, the, the things that you said you always noticed about Sassoonis, you know, the people that have worked right. for Sassoon. Um, there's a discipline to it. There's a dedication to it. Whether you're still with Sassoon or not, whether you were a student with Sassoon, whether you had one week, a year, 28 years with Sassoon, you're always linked to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a heritage brand. What Vidal did was lay the foundation for a craft, and he's done it so well, it's lasted the, the length of time. I mean, and because I mean, it's foundational, we can carry it on. 68 years, is that how long you said the brand is? 65 last 65, year. next year. So, you know, once upon a time, there is, you know, I have this imagery in my head of, you know, this cool time span of the late 60s, early 70s when, you know, Britain was the place to be in the fashion world, right? And you can picture, you, know, you can picture Vidal Sassoon as a young man. And, and then I think there was, in my mind, it may not be in reality, but in my mind, there was this period of malaise, for lack of a better word to put it. You know, I know that there was, there were Sassoon salons that were open. There were Sassoon salons that closed. I don't even know if the store branded Sassoon shampoos and conditioners are still in existence. And in my mind, and maybe it's just me wishful thinking, but I think it's true. There's this resurgence of the brand. It's concentration on the craft and being a good hairdresser. 65 years later. Sure. How how does Sassoon make because here's the thing, you guys got bought out by some corporate entity. You could have just turned into, you know, you could have just turned into Jerry Redding shampoo and conditioner, no offense to Mr. and Mr. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> um, but you could have become insignificant over time. And if anything, you guys have kind of having a resurgence of significance. There's a couple things. There's there's it, it, it's broken up into a few things, which a lot of people don't realize, but there's a Vidal the man that started out right. who was an amazing person. And all due respect, everybody knows who he was and who he is and what he did for the, and there's a respect for that. 
that won't ever go away. That's there. That's embedded. That's there. That's the heritage piece. Then there's the brand, uh, the brand in salons and academies. Mm-hmm. And then there's the brand in the bottle, yeah. which is no longer, it's, it's kind of been through North America. It's no longer in North America, but does exist in Europe. Um, all of them are owned separately. Mm-hmm. Um, the core though, and the de- dedication, it's the team. Mm-hmm. And it's always been the team that's been the common consistent. So as soon as a brand has been a stepping stone for every single great hairdresser out there, one way or another, mm-hmm. one way or another. And it, I don't know what that, you know, the reason is it, it goes to Vidal, straight back to Vidal and his mm-hmm. ethos and the system that he put in place, it works. I, it works. I could again, attest to that. I, it's a great, it's a great way to teach a beginner, especially because it takes away all the question marks and then lets them just be creative. Mm-hmm. It's not the only way of doing hair, but it is, it, it lays the foundation for anything you do after it. You know, mm-hmm. it's geometric, it's architectural, and it doesn't change. You can call it, you can call it lots of different things, but you know, you hold hair here and it falls right. there. and that will never change. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, how you get rid of those ends, the superfluous ends with a scissor, razor, or fire, that's up to you. But what's left is going to fall in the same place. Yeah. yeah? Um, so I think that's the one thing that's never changed. Uh, that's, that's amazing. If you're interested in Vidal Sassoon, I, you know, I just had, I had something very interesting happen lately with the with some of the younger students that we've had and a salon that I just went and taught a haircutting class at. Um, some of the stylists had never heard the name Vidal Sassoon. They'd literally, so I pulled up a video on YouTube, which is why I thought that that video, Quiet Revolution, Revolution. may be there yeah. as well. And I said, you have to listen to this man speak. Just so you know who named your haircuts. <laughs> right. The haircut that you're calling a graduated Bob, that came from somewhere, and that's the guy that named it. Mm. Um, I think it's important you know, to keep that heritage. So first of all, if, if I'm interested in some Sassoon education, uh, how, what's the best way to contact you all now? I'm sure it's not that difficult, but, um, but how do we get a hold of you guys online or maybe uh, your social media? Sassoon.com, Sassoon.com. Any specific questions for education, especially here in North America, they can always direct message me. That's usually the first place they go is Instagram. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm pretty good. That's my, my communication train right now with most of the younger ones. So your Instagram handle is? Uh, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, SAC, S-A-K underscore hair that's awesome fantastic um, one other place before you close is, yeah. is for people to be able to click on as soon as they hear this is to soon online i'll and i'll have all those links in the descriptor below so as soon as if you guys just with a flick of the thumb if you're interested well i'll have tracy's instagram handle i'll have Sassoon online all of those um links will be below in this show descriptor so uh john dude i, I don't know about you but like i I'm loving so many things about the conversation that we just had. Tracy, I feel like I could talk to you for yeah. as long yeah. as you would sit. And 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 because of the way you're a, appearing on our screen, you're like a female John Lennon to me. Like I I, the, I love your hair, I love the glasses, I love your style of delivery. I mean, uh, I'm super digging this. I know you're pulling away a bunch. Here's what I'm getting out of this. Usually I spew off of the five or six or two things that I got out of the, out of the podcast. Here's what I'm going to say. So this, this podcast is a little bit different because I don't want to say anything. I want to go do something. All right. So thank you for putting me in a state where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm done talking to Tracy. I got stuff to do now because you, I'm looking at your Instagram page. Yeah. I'm listening yeah, to this conversation really today. You know, as silly as it seems, I mean, I haven't cut here for five years now since I moved to Georgia from Massachusetts. And I, Still look at all those that work that you've done, and I'm just like, I need, I need to go do some hair. My wife doesn't know it, but she's getting a haircut tonight. So, and, and I love, I love, the, <laughs> it's, I love the way it's set up. You know, I love that I can tell that you're not a. Um, while you have a following, a, 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 a really nice one, you're not a, you're not an influencer. You're an artist in my mind, is is what I see here, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, um, it's just beautiful. You're not following anybody else's trends. 
uh, and I absolutely love it. So uh, just in knowing we have anywhere from cosmetology school students on up, anything you feel like we left on the table or um, just some last words you want to leave the audience with? I want to thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure. It was so nice to have a conversation. I've listened to quite a few of the shop talks and I always find great little nuggets in there for for myself and things that make me think differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to always kind of get out of your own box and, and think and hear how other people speak and do things. So I thank you for engaging me in that way. And thank you for giving me a little platform to share with others. Um, I do what I do. I call it share hair. And it doesn't necessarily mean just technical pieces on hair, but I love the craft. I love, I've been very fortunate in my career. It's been a fantastic career. I've met the best people in the world that most of them I call family and close friends. Mm -hmm. And I've had them for years. I've traveled the world. I have been able to hopefully mold some great futures along the way. And I like to think that I have a small hand in uh, maintaining a certain level in the industry. And I want to continue to do that. So right now, um, regularly live and helping to really get Sassoon online to a place that everybody wants to be. So we can have the opportunity to give more people accessibility to Sassoon. Because if there was a time where you couldn't get to London or Los Angeles, you may not have experienced Sassoon Academy or a Sassoon team member or a Sassoon education piece. So this allows us to reach more people more of the time with Sassoon. And that's really my goal. Um, We're reaching for the young ones for sure. My focus, believe it or not, has come full circle. I started in this school on cosmetology. And right now my focus is a program called Sassoon Connect. And that is supporting not just our cosmetology schools with really great curriculums, but other other cosmetology schools globally. And so we have great curriculums that are underpinned by the Sassoon technique of cutting, coloring, and men's hair. And so for the last five months, that has been my focus. So I'm coming at all the young ones, I'm coming at them. So hopefully they'll be as inspired as I always have with my career and have some really good skills to put out there. Thank you. That's awesome. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap, I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews, you know you want to do it, you know you love this podcast, share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets gets his wings. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah, and while that angel's getting his wings, it helps us move up, um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same Uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.